Hey guys, this is Jared Causey, and you're listening to Causey's Conversations. Well, hello there. Welcome back to Causey's Conversations. I'm your host, Jared Causey. Uh, thank you for being here on uh, this day that you're listening. Um, it's uh, this conversation that I'm about to have with a, with a friend of mine. Uh, it's hopefully a, an encouraging one. Uh, but I know also that this topic that we're going to be going over is a very heated, very heated conversation right now here in evangelicalism and in the political sphere as well. But uh, the topic that we're going to be discussing, um, uh, I'm going to be having Josh Dawes on. He's going to come in here in just a second. But uh, Josh and I are going to discuss critical race theory. And some of you might be like, what in the world is critical race theory? And I'm glad you asked. We are going to go over what that is, or Josh mainly will, and uh, we're going to engage in discussion on what that is, what that means, and you know what, how that's related to many of the conversations that we're having here in America in 2021 uh, regarding race. So we're going to get into that here in a second. But Josh, thank you for ha- uh, for being on. Thank you for coming on this uh, the podcast tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jared. So uh, Josh. Uh, we have not met in person, uh, but uh, we uh, we've engaged online together, and uh, I've seen a lot of his tweets. He's a um, his Twitter uh, his Twitter feed there. If you go on there, you will see some gems. So uh, if you're on Twitter, if you're on social media, look him up there. Uh, you'll see a lot of great material there. But uh, Josh, uh, he's in Georgia right now. But Josh, I, I want to give you the opportunity. Go ahead and uh, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, who you are, uh, how you came to know Christ. Uh, and then kind of go into how this subject has become something that you've become interested in. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in a Christian family. My uh, dad was a Southern Baptist pastor for 50 years, um, thereabouts, and uh, was, was always in church, um, professed faith at seven, and then really didn't, you know, long story short, I really began to understand grace um, real in college. And I've been uh, on staff at um, a church in the Atlanta area. I work in software engineering now. And uh, yeah, I just have a a heart for the local church and for um, local church pastors. Just having grown up as a pastor's kid, I know just all that they face and, and how difficult that job is. So I, uh, every church we've been a part of, I really enjoyed just, you know, being an encouragement to the pastor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so I know you've, you've had a lot of, um, I don't know about a lot, but I mean, a good bit of experience with this conversation of critical race theory. Um, you know, I've watched your and listened to your, uh, the, the kind of the presentation you gave at your church there, what kind of made you want to, to engage in this conversation uh, regarding uh, critical race theory? Yeah. So this is, it started for me back um, during the election of 2016, the first Trump election. Um, I was just growing very just heavy over the division in our country. And it just seems like we were getting pulled further and further apart. And um, it was about the time when uh, Colin Kaepernick started kneeling um, 
for the national anthem that I, I was I was I was looking for what are where are some areas where we can find some common ground to start healing this divide. I think this was after the election at this point, and uh, or might have been right before it. Um, but I started looking around for things that you know areas where we could agree and kind of reach across the aisle. And you know, being a Christian, I knew that you know the LGBT stuff was a non-starter. Can't do that. And, you know, although there was a lot of good stuff happening as a result of the Me Too movement, that the the women's movement was so inextricably tied to abortion. I didn't see a lot of room for bridge building in that area. But then, you know, with race, as Christians, we can agree that racism is bad and we have a, a really checkered past um of dealing with these things even in the church. And, and so I thought, okay, maybe this is an area where we can, you know, reach across the aisle, find some common ground and begin to heal this divide that's going on in our country. And so, at, you know, at around the time that, that Kaepernick started kneeling, I just put something out on Facebook, like, okay, I'm ready to listen. You know, I, I'm obviously missing something that this has become such a big issue help me understand this. And I just got a flood of um, recommendations, like books to read and articles to read and documentaries to watch from other Christians who had started down this social justice path. And I just started making my way through that list just with an open mind and prayerfully, okay, God, if, if I'm looking at this stuff the wrong way, just change my mind. And so I got, um, one of the things was, uh, that was recommended was a, a Facebook group called Be The Bridge. Mm, and so yeah. I, I joined that group and they had a, a um, rule at the time. I don't know if they still do, but um, they had a rule at the time that white people, white new members that were white had to stay silent for six months yeah. and just you could read the post you could they had a they actually had a whiteness 101 course that you were supposed to go through with a bunch of articles and uh videos and stuff and so you know i'm like okay that seems a, a bit odd but I, i'm gonna abide by the rules i'll go through that and as i'm uh just kind of lurking in this group i began to uh, encounter a lot of like terminology and, and phrases that just were unfamiliar to me. Things like white fragility and white privilege. Right. And um, a lot of talk about systemic oppression and, um, you know, just these, these, um, I don't know, these phrases that just kind of didn't make sense to me. And so I started researching that and that's when I discovered critical race theory that, oh, this is where pretty much all of these ideas are coming from. What is this about? And it just, from there, it was a rabbit hole that I just fell, <laughs> fell down into and have been kind of uh, living in that space for the uh, last three or four years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I know the group you're talking about, Be the Bridge. I, I've never been a part of it. I don't, <laughs> don't think I could do it now. But uh, it definitely, um, 
just after browsing the page, it, it definitely, there was a few alarms that went off in, in my brain there. Just some of the, yeah. It, and stuff. Just, yeah. Well, and that, that was really what, you know, I, I, I went into that with a very open mind right. and it was through that group that I really started to have, like you said, the, the red flags were just popping up left and right. Cause it's right. supposed to be a Christian group. And I would see, um, you know, people talking about intersectionality and how um, the racial oppression is connected to LGBT oppression. And you can't be anti-racist if you are not, you know, an ally to the LGBT community. And I'm like, right. scratching my head, like, wait, I thought this was like a Christian group. And <laughs> yeah. these, these people that, that, that I'd gone to church with that invited me into this and um, were already several steps down this path started embracing that and it started eroding their biblical understanding. They started uh, kind of applying a lot of these, um, I don't know, ways of critically looking at systems and stuff to the Bible and mm. throwing out core doctrines and stuff. And at that point, I was just like, okay, this is a dead end. I'm not going to be able to, this is not the, the bridge building that you know, I was looking for. Right. I, I was kind of just, I don't know, discouraged. Like, right. yeah, it's, it's not divisions, probably just something we're going to have to live with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, kind of like you, I mean, I, I, it was probably a little bit before 2016 because, you know, when, kind of my journey on this path of, of coming to understand quote unquote wokeness, critical race theory, this ideology. It started, I think around when Trayvon Martin was killed in, what was that? 2012, I think. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when really this, the beginnings of this conversation. And so it, you know, it wasn't like I saw that and like, oh, wow, you know, systemic oppression, systemic racism, police brutality, whiteness, all that. I didn't start off like in that, you know, with those phrases in my back pocket, if you will, you know, things kind of evolved from there, you know, throughout, you know, I was in college, I was at a secular university at the time, you know, I was hanging out with some people that were not believers and, they were telling me these things, you know, a lot of things that, you know, you kind of talked about with uh, Be the Bridge. And eventually, I think it was maybe when Michael Brown, I mean, he was, he died in 2014. I think that's, so, yeah. that's when really, for me, kind of that switch turned. That's when really things changed for me. I began saying, you know, the police system, our system, our justice system, the police force, this institution is racist, you know, intrinsically it's based on racism. And so I caught, I went down that path and dude, no one else in my Christian circles were saying these things yet, you know, not, not really that many anyway. I mean, mm -hmm. there, there might've been a few that kind of like, oh, I see what you're saying, but most people are like outright reject it. You know, even, I mean, even the most maybe moderate, Christians were kind of like, uh, I don't know about that. And so kind of time went on and I started getting into a, a theologian, apologist named uh, 
James White. I'm sure. I'm, I assume you probably know who that is, mm-hmm. Josh. Yeah. And um, he kind of really, I mean, at that point, I wasn't into Reformed theology or anything like that. But uh, after that, after listening to him, after, you know, and that's another conversation, but after kind of my views changed on Reformed theology after reading scripture and, and listening to him a little bit and among others, um, I started had it, I really had a huge kind of battle in my mind and my heart between this Reformed theology that was growing and this wokeness that was there. You know, I was, mm-hmm. you know, quite honestly, I was a Bernie fan. You know, I was, man, I was feeling the burn like big time mm-hmm. for a while. I was like, man, this Bernie guy, like, you know, I would say that the rich there, they need to give, they need to give the poor their fair share. You know, they need to give up their, their wealth. And I was deceived and I've had to repent from a lot of those bad views. I, now I never capitulated on the LGBTQ stuff. I, I was like, I was like, that's out. Like I will never, you know, capitulate on that. And even in my worst state, I was very much still like orthodox in that, mm-hmm. you know, I was still pro-life. Now I was very silent on the pro-life issue. <laughs> I was very silent mm-hmm. on that, uh, which was just kind of ironic. I would even tell people like, you know, I'm, I'm pro pro-life myself, but I don't really care about this as much anymore. Like I used to. Um, so I've had to repent from a lot of that. Um, that was several years ago. I mean, that was like, I mean, 2015, 2016 is when I was really getting starting when Trump got elected and I saw how people responded to him. I think that Mm. really changed me back to being very conservative politically and even more theologically, uh, and, and socially, uh, with these, with these issues here. And so after, you know, after a while I started dig, re, kind of reevaluating my position on the, you know, police and police brutality and systemic racism as a whole. And then, uh, I mean, by the time last year, I mean, I was, I was already not on that, you know, on the woke side at all a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I, I, it's really interesting, you know, I, now I'm like very opposed to critical race theory and woke ideology. And it's just, it's interesting that, uh, where, where my journey has taken me, but, you know, I, I think a lot of people might, some people at least maybe have a similar story and, um, and maybe like you, they started off really wanting to just listen and like, look, if there's a problem, you know, I really want to fix it. You know, I want to do mm-hmm. my part in reconciliation between man to man, you know? And, and so I think a lot of people have a good heart and want to do what scripture tells us to do and to, love our neighbor but um it's a little more complicated than that (laughs) so uh yeah yeah you got something you want to say on that yeah yeah that's um you know i i saw a a video recently with um a young woman who used to be woke and and she said that i i don't think you can be properly anti-woke unless you've first been a little woke and yeah. and i think there's something to that I, you know i think there are some people that are just blessed with you know incredible discernment and can sniff it out right away but i think there is something to you know part of the concern i have with wokeness is i don't think it helps it doesn't help the people that it's trying to help 
you know, right. that it thinks it, it can help. And so that was really my story. It's like, I, I want to be part of the solution. I want to, you know, I, I, you know, you show me disparities and I'm like, wow, well, that looks like an opportunity to provide some help. How can we help, you know, that struggling community? Right. And, uh, and, and wokeness just does not offer the solutions and, you know, actually makes things worse. And so I think once people see that, you know, it becomes pretty clear just how toxic that ideology can be. Right. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's get into the weeds here. Um, you know, what is critical race theory? How would you define it? Sure. Yeah. So critical race theory is a subdivision of a larger academic discipline called critical theory. So it's just critical theory applied to race. So what is critical theory? Critical theory is basically this idea that all of everyone can be divided into two groups. There's the oppressors or well, there's those with power and those without power. And that those with power always oppress those without power. And um, society can, you can determine who falls into which group based on um, your identity markers. So things like race, gender, sexuality, religion, physical ability, you know, mm. um, nationality. So depending on where, how you identify determines whether or not you are in an oppressor group or in an oppressed group. And that um, it, it, it redefines uh, oppression is not what you traditionally think of. Uh, it's more um, the dominant group, the oppressor group, it's uh, cultural values, norms, uh, any dominant ideas would be considered oppressive. So, um, you know, a Christian society would be considered oppressive because it's the dominant culture. Um, and then a critical theory elevates lived experience. So it's the, this idea that your personal lived experience is an unquestionable source of knowledge, truth, and moral authority, but only for the oppressed. You know, the oppressor does not you know, their, their point of view can be dismissed, but that, and it, you know, if you get into the literature, they'll say the live your lived experience of oppression. So even someone who would be in an oppressed group, if they don't have an experience that backs the narrative that all of society is filled with systemic oppression, then they're, they would um, be said to have internalized oppression. So their, mm -hmm. their experience is dismissed. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the ultimate goal of critical theory is uh, social justice, which mm -hmm. must be achieved by dismantling these systems of oppression through political and social activism. So it, it's, it's this overriding ideology that functions as a worldview that kind of answers all the big questions of life. And so I think that's why it is so appealing to people um, because, you know, you look at, at things like Trayvon Martin and um, Michael Brown and some of these, these um, high profile 
shootings or or these disparities and critical theory is is shows right up and says i've got an explanation for that right you know, i can explain why this is happening and what you need to do about it and uh you know it it it's not um you know and those answers are very um predetermined it's not um it's not interested in discovering the truth it starts with assumptions of what the truth is and then uh looks for instances that will back that up so critical race theory one of the foundational premises of that is that racism is baked into all of our systems Mm -hmm. so anytime you see a disparity that's because of racism so right away we're not able to look for the truth we we know the truth starting with a critical race theory lens we know the truth we know that racism is baked in Mm -hmm. so anything that we see that you know seems wrong we um we know it's it's racism right and so that makes sense yeah absolutely that's great uh like you know like last year when george floyd was was killed i mean the the response to that large in part even amongst you know well-meaning christians was racism race this is Mm -hmm. racism Derek chauvin is a racist by virtue of him being white oppressing a black man um he's a police officer Derek chauvin is he's oppressing the black individual just by virtue of their their ethnicities it's it's that is what it is and so it seems like to me like even when analyzing these situ- these real world situations, there are presuppositions hiding in the background that are allowing these people to respond, even though they might not know it's critical race theory. Right. They're, they're, they think they're like, oh, like, I'm just having compassion. I'm just loving my neighbor as Jesus tells us to, you know, but they don't understand that, you know, maybe you're, you're actually, when you're analyzing a real world situation, you're analyzing it through a particular worldview that, that you just explained very well. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the hard part. It's like, no one's, no one has a critical race theory flag they're throwing around here. It's people discussing these issues, these real world issues. And through that, they will begin to, it seems to me anyway, I correct me if I'm wrong. It, it seems to me that, that they, they their conclusions that they're coming to about these real world um, life issues it, it comes from this framework that you just explained uh, what would you say to that or you know how would you interact with that yeah yeah that's the thing is it, it's not no one's going around like um you know giving courses like you know come to my critical race theory course so you can learn <laughs> Right. You know, all these presuppositions, it, it really is. And that's one of the things, you know, Neil Shinvey, if, you, if your listeners haven't, aren't aware of him, you, you should look him up. He's, he's Definitely. done just phenomenal work uh, just explaining this stuff to um, a Christian audience. And um, one of the things he talks about is, is one of the things that critical th- theory actually gets right is this idea of hegemonic power. It's the, it, it's the idea that ideas in society are passed on um, kind of, um, it, it's just kind of in the air and we pick up ideas. And I think that's what 
um, Paul is kind of getting at in Colossians, in, uh, Colossians mm-hmm. about, um, you know, see to it that no one uh, takes you captive by deceptive philosophy. Right. And, um, you know, and so these ideas, they're, they're in culture, they're in our TV shows, they are, they've, you know, escaped academia, and now they are very, um, we just pick them up. They're, they're in the conversations they are, you know, we hear it on, on podcasts and. Yeah. I know. Definitely. That's good. I mean, that's, it's, it seems like um, just the, the basic, I mean, I know the resolution nine at the SBC in 2019, they talked about critical race theory being an analytical tool, tool, or it can't, I think it says it can be a good analytical tool or something I, I might be getting that wrong but just even the the understanding that's an analytical tool I mean that's what critical race theory is critical theory is the worldview itself uh, I think Neil Shinvey said that like critical theory is the worldview critical race theory is the tool that utilizes critical theory in analyzing the world is that correct mm-hmm. or is that is that all based yeah uh, I think so um, you know I think you know, I'm hesitant to acknowledge it as a tool because it that implies that you can use it towards different ends. And, right. and there really is, it's very, they're very clear about what the end is. It, it's very much a Marxist based um, idea. And, and the, um, it's interesting if you go back to the founding, you know, documents that um, Max Horkheimer was a philosopher in the thirties and he, he coined the term critical theory, um, in a paper that he published and he compared it with traditional theory. And the, right. the idea being that traditional theory is, uh, when we look at the world and try to understand why the world is as it is. So it's, yeah. it's the pursuit of truth. Mm-hmm. You know, why does a, a you know, my lawn grow when, it rains, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, let me understand this and figure out why the world is as it is. Critical theory looks at the world and tries to understand why the world is not as it should be. So even right. at its very inception, it had a view of the world as it should be baked in. Mm. Like it's starting from a, an, an, an idea of, well, the world is, it should be like this. And these were all Marxist thinkers. So their ideal state was that Marxist state. And they wanted to figure out why hasn't the, why haven't the people, you know, why haven't the workers revolted yet? You know, they were frustrated that Marx's ideas weren't, weren't taking on in the, in the West. And so, you know, you can't use, we, you can't be committed to finding the truth and embrace critical theory. Mm. It, 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 it's a completely different way of looking at the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So, you know, let's go to the most basic, you know, conversation when talking about critical race theory, you know, what is racism? So in the critical race theory mind, you know, what is their definition of racism and, and what would you say is the biblical understanding of racism 
Yeah, so that is one thing that that critical race theorists um, really do, and you need to be aware of, is that they 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 redefine words like constantly. So when we talk about historic racism, it's you know prejudice based on someone's skin color. You know that's what most people do. So when they say systemic racism, they you know, are playing on the fact that most people are thinking that, oh gosh, our systems are prejudiced against people, you know, with, uh, because of their skin color, that there are laws based on that. And that's, that's, you know, if you said, you know, systemic racism is real, I'd say, yeah, you know, Jim Crow is awful and slavery, that those are examples of systemic racism, but they redefine that to mean, you know, just the dominant discourse in society is oppressive and uh, any disparities are evidence of racism. And it doesn't have to be animosity like uh, Robin D'Angelo. Mm. I think it was Robin D'Angelo. She wrote a, a paper called, um, uh, I think it was racism without racist and just mm. all about how racism per- pervades everything in society and it doesn't need any animosity towards black people to persist and it's um you know so it would be the whole idea of we benefit from systems that have historically um oppressed people and continue Mm -hmm. to oppress people and so that would be considered racism just the the fact that you know or the the idea that we benefit from being white which you know there's uh I don't know if that answer your question. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I mean, but we would definitely have an understanding of racism. Like, you know, we would both, hopefully I would say, you know, believe racism is wrong and sinful. Um, yes. And we'll absolutely. Call it, yeah, yeah. That was, that was your second part. The, what is it? Biblically. Yeah. Shailen, Shailen has written an excellent new book. Um, let's see. What was the name of that? Is uh, the new reformation. New reformation. Yeah, that's right. And in that, he, uh, the first half of the book, he uses racism and then he gets to, you know, the word racism. And then he gets to uh, a certain point in the book and uh, has a chapter of how I'm not going to use racism going forward in the book because it's not a biblical term. Oh, yeah. Racism, uh, race is, you know, there's one race, there's one human race uh, where the race of Adam. And then, but he says, you know, ethnicity is the biblical term. And he goes through and he talks about ethnic pride and ethnic hatred and ethnic partiality. And he shows how uh, all ethnicities can be guilty of these various ethnic, you know, sins based in ethnicity and gives examples from this is how white people commit ethnic hatred and this is how black people commit ethnic hatred and it's that's something that critical race theorists would completely deny it's like if you are um a minority you cannot be racist mm. and so shylin does a great job of like taking us back to scripture and showing like no no these, these are sins that we all struggle with and here's how and here's the biblical answer to that so right. that's, a, that's an excellent book yeah, yeah, I know we talked about that at one point. Um, I, I bought it a few weeks ago. I'm 
planning on getting into that. I love Shaolin. I met him at Piper's conference a few years back. Such a, such a awesome guy. Really nice guy. He took a lot of, he took some time to talk to me. Like it was just really cool. You know, he, nice. I'm sure he had plenty of other things to do. And he sat there and chatted with me about all kinds of stuff. So really, really good dude. Um, so we went over, you know, what critical race theory is, what is racism from a biblical perspective versus critical race theory perspective. Now, the conversation that usually comes up really quickly in this is, and we, we went over it a little bit, is systemic racism. You know, how, how, how does this conversation, in, insofar as it relates to systemic racism, how, you know, in, in terms of critical race theory, you know, what do they say about systemic racism? Number one, you know, what what is their understanding of systemic racism? How would they define that? I think you've already kind of done that a little bit. But the main thing is I, I want to talk about in this portion of the, of the episode is, is how do how can Christians approach that topic of systemic racism without falling into the trap of critical race theory or, you know, falling into that line of thinking, at least. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think as Christians, we need to be aware that systemic racism in that historic sense of Jim Crow and, and slavery and, and other things um, does exist. It, it could very well exist. There are no perfect systems. And so we need to have an open mind that, okay, there could be problems that we need to correct. And so we need to start from that you know, open-minded, you know, desire to help and not just shut down the conversation anytime systemic racism is, is brought up. Right. Um, it's, it's particularly brought up um, nowadays, I see mostly in discussions of disparities, like income disparities or incarceration disparities. And I think, um, I think the way a Christian needs to look at that is not, don't just necessarily assume it's automatically evidence of systemic racism, but be open that it might be. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. really look at that. And, 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 you know, I, I think, you know, disparities are a, a are a good um, indicator for potential ministry opportunities. So when we see that, you know, a certain demographic a certain group of people is falling behind in some area or is struggling in some area. These are ministry opportunities, you know, regardless of the cause of that, that's right. an opportunity for, you know, Christians to run to it. And, you know, we can disagree on what those causes may be, but we can, you know, we can show up at a prison ministry and, you know, we can, you know, tutor kids and, you know, provide mentoring and, and, and different things that, you know, will help, you know, could potentially help solve some of these problems. Right. And that's, you know, that's something I think that, you know, Christians who may disagree on this stuff could find some common ground. I think that's, I, I don't have much hope for us, you know, finding common ground with the world, but in the church, we've got, you know, the cross that, tore down the dividing wall of hostilities and i think we need to lean into that and you know embrace that and not be you know allow critical race theory to re-erect that that wall yeah definitely um 
I guess, you know, in this conversation when, you know, for example, I'll, I'll say it like this. Um, there have been some institutions relevant to our circle that have essentially said, you know, systemic racism exists. And so when I hear that, I'm like, okay, <laughs> what do you mean by systemic racism? Like, I'm not assuming yeah. you're a critical race theory guy or gal just because you say that, but like, we got to at least talk about this. And I guess what frustrates me in a way or annoys me, I guess, maybe it's a better term is just, we never talk about what these terms mean. We never talk yeah. about what systemic racism is, like how we see it, where it's at. And anytime I hear uh, even the most well-meaning Christian talk about it, they always point to disparities. And I'm like, is there a way at all today? I have not found one yet. Now, if you, maybe you have an example that you can provide and I would greatly appreciate it. But is there any example of systemic racism that we can point to today? And, and I'm particularly talking about systemic racism against African-Americans. I'm not, mm. I, th I think, I think we could maybe find st some systemic racism against white people now, you know, with affirmative action, possibly, maybe, but for sure, I, you know, I want to kind of focus on the, the systemic racism towards African-Americans. I mean, is there any possibility, can we find this today you know, if so, how, where, where is this at? How can we define it with, you know, without going towards disparities? You know, I asked, um, I think it was uh, Dr. Carl Ellis was having a, um, a Q&A online uh, a couple of years ago, and he was talking about systemic racism and this, and I asked for modern examples of that and he kind of stammered for a couple minutes trying to um find an example so i I'm, I'm kind of in your boat i'm i'm looking for examples i think you know i think to be um yeah i i think the the best examples and i'm not even sure i would call it systemic racism I think there can you can make a good case that there are lingering effects mm. of mm -hmm. historic racism, right. and if that's what someone is calling um, systemic racism, you know, I'm I don't necessarily think that that's that means they're totally bought into everything critical race theory. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, and you know, it is in recent memory i like uh, neil does um shows like a picture of ruby bridges in 1954 or 1960 i think um and she was the first uh um african-american child who was integrated into like louisiana schools yeah and then he shows a picture of her today and she's like 64 and looks you know relatively young and it's yeah. like that was her living memory like that that was in her lifetime right and so i think we have to acknowledge there's gonna be some residual you know effects um i i wouldn't call that systemic racism yeah um but you know i can i can see where, where some christians would consider that i don't know yeah i mean i when i hear systemic racism i hear them i hear someone saying the system itself is baked exactly with racism. So if you're just saying the effects of 
previous systems that no longer exist anymore, I'm like, that's not current systemic racism. That's past systemic racism still having its effect. But as right. time goes yeah, on, maybe, maybe yeah. residual. Yeah. yeah, residual. I think that's perfect. I mean, as time goes on, though, we're going to see those effects go away. You would think, right? I mean, um, I mean, basically, if we if stop the, picking the scab, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, we gotta. You can't heal. Uh, expect anything to heal if we keep opening the wound. Right. Um, you know, I think I think that's where just asking questions is so important. Like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. Know, help me. What are What are you talking about? And you know, hopefully we can. I, I don't know. I don't have much much hope that we can kind of tone down some of the the discussions because everyone is so defensive right now. Um, and that's that's one of the terrible things about critical race theory is that mm. any disagreement whatsoever is considered a bid to protect power to, to you know it, you're exhibiting fragility because you don't want to embrace the you know acknowledge the truth of your complicity and systems that oppress others right so it's a it's a kafka trap you can't you can't win right i mean i hear a lot of good christian brothers and sisters online on twitter specifically say we need to learn to think the best of one another and i'm like I agree. Let's quit assuming the worst about people that we disagree with on these conversations. Like just because someone is like talking about critical race theory doesn't mean they're simply doing that because they hate black people, you know, know, or or they're like, you know, like you said, like have some type of, uh, you know, uh, racism within their hearts are still dealing with or whatever. They're just trying to maintain their position of power. I've heard that from, from people, <laughs> you know, some so-called well-respected Christians. And this is like, man, come on. Like we got to think the best of each other. I mean, if we're going to do that, we're going to stop, you know, we got to take these conversations serious, seriously. And, and okay. If you, you know, if you bring up racism, like you have, you know, things that you see that you believe are racist, like we're not going to just say, Oh, that's critical race theory. Cause it's t- you're talking about racism. But at the same time, we're not going to say, oh, well, yeah, that's racism because you said, say it is. Um, it's, it's like, we're not, we, we can't, you know, like for example, with Derek Chauvin, like I can't assume the dude's a racist, you know, that's slander. If I do that, you know, if I say, Hey, he is a racist based on his actions just alone and his, his skin color, then I'm committing an offense to God. Like I cannot do that to him. He's an image bearer. I can't do that to George Floyd. He's an image bearer. I have to treat them like I would anyone else. And if, you know, I can't assume someone's a racist unless they provide that evidence. Um, yeah. yeah. And if, if anyone, you know, is listening that is, um, you know, kind of on the other side of some of these things, I, I just want you to hear my concern is not, you know, that, well, it's a false ideology and we don't need to, you know, yes, to all of that but you know i'm my concern is i have seen real life people that i've gone to church with that have had in my homes that are you know were fellow christians with have bought into this ideology and have completely followed it down into deconstructing their faith and that's that was why you know i used to live in california and so 
you know, everything hits California <laughs> 10 years before it yes. hits yeah. the rest of the country. Right. So I feel like I've, I've seen where this is going in so many friends' lives and it, it's just heartbreaking. And, you know, once, you know, I started seeing this creep into evangelical world more like in the last you know, three or four years, it was just like, oh boy, no, no, I've seen where this goes. <laughs> Let's not <laughs> yeah. do this. this yeah. It's going to be bad. I mean, it, I've seen it too. And it almost happened to me, but by God's grace, I mean, uh, I met a, a few mutual friends and, you know, they, they helped me re- rethink some things. And, and, and that kind of leads me to kind of our, you know, one of our final, com- you know, topics of this conversation, you know, evangelicalism you know we both are evangelicals we're, we're both southern baptists um you know right i mean, I, I believe you are right i yeah you're at the, you're at the convention correct no no i i missed out on the fun <laughs> okay i thought you were there okay uh no i i wasn't able to go either i missed out on the fun as well i really would would have loved to have been there but i think i'm gonna be able to go to anaheim so fingers crossed um but Particularly, I mean, we we're concerned about this because we we see this in like our friends, like we have friends and family members that are being affected and impacted by this ideology, and particularly in our local churches. Um, so, how how have you seen this affect evangelicalism specifically? You know, and what can we do to help? our brothers and sisters in Christ without being jerks, without being, you know, going on social media and just bashing people constantly, but how can we help them as brothers and sisters in Christ in, in engaging on these conversations? Yeah, that's a good question. I, uh, you know, I began by talking about uh, being part of be the bridge. And, you know, when I, when I left that group and kind of gave up on the bridge building stuff, um, yeah, I kind of just kind of, put this away and thought, okay, that was a weird phase of my life, uh, exploring that stuff. And then we were looking for a new church and we were visiting a church and the the pastor started a series on racial reconciliation and had, uh, at the end of one of the messages had all the white people in the congregation stand up and applaud to signify our repentance of, slavery and Jim Crow and all the oh, no. racial sins of our country's past. I'm not laughing and I'm I just, think it's funny. I'm just, yeah. oh gosh. It was, it was like, and it, you know, it's so crazy because you, you come in and it's this multi-ethnic um, congregation and you, you know, it's, there's no wall. We're all here to worship Jesus together. Yeah. And then as soon as that service was over, it's like, I don't want to make eye contact with anybody this is <laughs> this is just throwing a wall up between everyone and uh you know we we did not end up joining that church but you know going to the next church I, you know i'm very gun shy like oh, gosh is you know i'm I, my antennas are up is this gonna go woke <laughs> and yeah you know i could have gone in there and like demanded to meet with the pastor and like okay tell me what you think about critical race theory and why aren't you preaching against this? And, and, you know, I think, you know, God just helped me to kind of have a perspective that like, okay, God is still sovereign. 
he is going to build his church. And I've just, you know, been patiently building relationships. You know, my internal alarms are like going off as I see this stuff in wider evangelicalism. I started talking about it on Twitter and engaging in these conversations. And I'm, you know, deathly afraid of my church going woke and having to find another church. But I, I took the time and through building those relationships and, you know, just not being afraid to, you know, in conversations like, yeah, I don't know if I see it exactly the same way. Um, just being patient with people and right. trying to create that, you know, subvert that idea because the loudest voices are being seen. Like they're being seen and the, the, the worst examples are being held up. And so right. I think as just the average Joe in, in the pew, I think the, the right approach is not to be a loud hysterical voice in your church be be reason you know be vocal you know right. speak up you know if you see some things that are concerning you know go see if you can grab lunch with your pastor but don't don't come at it from a hysterical you know because i i just don't think that approach yeah works very well yeah i've been i've been going through a uh, series with the students at my church on progressive christianity we've wrapped up last night um yeah last night i believe today thursday yeah today is thursday it's it's almost friday for you (laughs) but uh yeah so we went through that and i kind of ended things with you know how do we talk to progressive christians and i know progressive christians are different than the people we're talking about here we're talking about regenerate believers that love jesus Mm -hmm. that are solid in a lot of ways but they might be confused and but with you know with progressive christians i think it's similar in some ways, there's some similarities in the sense that when we engage with progressive Christians, if we just start yelling at them about how they hate the Bible and they just hate Jesus and they're just heretics, that's not going to do any good. They're not going to listen to us. They're not going to engage in conversation. We're not going to be able to share the gospel with them. We're not going to be able to answer objections and answer questions. And the conversation is going to go poorly. I think in this case, exactly like you said, if we just go into churches, guns are blazing. Hey, I got to talk to the pastor right now about critical race theory and everyone in this church, if they're not speaking out against this in the same way that I am, you're, this church is terrible and it's an yeah. apostate church. And there are people that kind of have that, um, I guess, I don't know what the, the uh, best way to, to describe it, but they just have that persona about them. Mm. And it's like they're burning so many bridges. And if we stop having good conversations with people that I believe are Christians, then we're never going to be able to, to get through this. Now, I think there comes to a point where there are some so-called Christian brothers and sisters that we've seen that might have gone a little too far and to the point of where they're in sin in this. They go from what Owen Strayan in his book calls confused to they're either engaged or full on woke. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we need to call them to repentance lovingly and help them. But like you said, I think you said it well in our local church setting. I mean, very few people are probably even know all about this anyway. I mean, I think some yeah. do, but like the whole, all the nuances about it. Right. Um, well, that, that, that was one of the first things I, you know, encountered 
you know, in, in local church was just people, you know, these conversations come up and, you know, I would say some kind of heterodox <laughs> things concerning um, some of these subjects, according to the woke. And um, it would, you know, I'd hear like, well, you know, as a white man, I just think we need to, to listen more. And, yeah. you know, those, those were, you know, I could have reacted as, no, you're woke. And that's, uh, (laughs) you know, but lovingly, patiently asking questions like, okay, so do you, what, what happens when we listen and consider the point of view and disagree with it? Are, are we just supposed to shut up? Well, no, no, no. And, you know, just kind of patiently walking people through some of the implications of the things that they probably just picked up from culture haven't really thought through, you know? Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, Mm -hmm. go ahead. I think, um, you know, winsomeness is definitely something that a lot of people uh, kind of weaponize as a way to just not say anything. You know, the world's watching, we need to be winsome. So let's just not talk about it at all. Or let's just completely, you know, go along with what the world's saying about this in, in, you know, the name of winsomeness. But I think winsomeness is a principle that, you know, you can employ in your argumentation, you know, in your, you know, not argument in a bad sense, but when you're presenting a different point of view, you can do that in a winsome way not in a, a cowardly, like, you know, the world's watching, we need to just shut up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's great. I mean, because I mean, we need to have a great witness, of course, but we don't need to um, hurt our witness by not speaking up in truth in love. Um, and I think I think so many times, people want to push to either side, like, either shut up. Uh, some people are saying just shut up about this. Some people are saying, you know, that's all we need to talk about. And, and we need to all talk about it in the same way. And I think if, I think a lot of these disagreements could, I don't know if they'd be solved. <laughs> I'd like to think some of them could be solved, but I think maybe some of these disagreements could be solved if we just talked and just had good conversations. Yeah. And, and found a re, you know, rededicated ourselves to the concept of Christian liberty. Like so much of this is, you know, I see this problem and you're not solving it. You know, you're not addressing it the way that I think it should be addressed. And, you know, critical theory provides like tools to kind of club fellow Christians in. Well, you're, it's not only an opportunity for ministry, you know, this is, something that you are complicit in, you have to, you know, be involved in anti-racism because mm. you are part of the problem. And right. so it, it becomes, it's this way of binding consciences. But then we do that on, you know, our side as well. When we are like, you know, if you're not, you know, talking about critical race theory and you're not warning people about it, then you are, you know, derelict in your duty. And, you know, there's Christian liberty. We're all going to have different burdens. You know, it, it, we, we've got to get to the place where we can, you know, trust that the Holy spirit is working in different lives to direct them towards different needs and different things. You know, this is where God is, has me right now. 
I'm really concerned about this. I'm, you know, if you look at my Twitter feed, it's critical theory. Yeah. <laughs> Some good stuff though. I mean, I will say I, I like a lot of your tweets there. I, I'm not even on oh, Twitter. I, I go to your, your page there and, and read what you're saying. So well, um, I, I hope it's helpful, but you know, we just don't need to be, you know, judging other Christians that choose to spend their, you know, limited time, energy, and resources in, you know, different ministry opportunities. Right. Yeah. Well, good deal, man. I think we've had a good conversation, man. I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, I hope you have too. Um, I'm sure I didn't yeah, teach definitely. you anything. I mean, I, I know very little, um, uh, you know, um, but I hope others are blessed by this conversation and can um, kind of know how to engage properly with these concerns and hopefully may, maybe one day the Christian Christians will be able to gather yet together and, and, and agree on a lot of these things that racism is bad. It's sinful. We need to speak out against it. Um, this is what racism is. <laughs> Critical race theory is bad. And this is how we should, we should discuss these things and um, hopefully, but We'll see, you know, maybe, maybe uh, in 10 years from now, we're not talking about critical race theory. We're talking about something else, which. Yeah. I'm hoping it's going to go the way of the emergent church and just kind of, oh yeah. Remember that? <laughs> right. Yeah. I was talking to my pastor um, the other day and, and we were, we were discussing, I said, I said, so do you think this is just going to go away? Like, do you think this whole conversation about critical race theory is just going to kind of go down the tube and he said you know i do in just a few years and he said i think it's going to be replaced by something even more probably more concerning and i asked what that was and he said it's the sexual revolution uh he he said that we're going to probably we're going to be forgetting about these conversations because the world is going to be so just intent on um overwhelming the church on that topic of the sexual revolution it's going to cause all the guys and, and ladies to that, that even if you're kind of in the moderate camp of, of this conversation, you know, you're a solid believer, but you're kind of like, uh, I agree with some of these things over here, or you're just, you know, you're anti CRT, you're going to come together on this and face the sexual revolution, um, together. I don't know. I don't know if my pastor's right or not. You know, I, and I don't think he was saying he's, you know, it's a, a perfect prediction that, you know, he's claiming, but, I mean, it's possible, but I mean, critical theory, it, there's sexual, the sexual revolution is baked yeah. into that too, though. So yeah, that's the thing know. is I think we, it's a mistake to just focus on critical race theory because right. critical theory is informing, you know, the whole egalitarian yeah. complementarian debate and, oh, yeah. and so many other things. It's, you know, it's, it's really, really insidious. And I think, I think your pastor's right. We are going to start seeing um, seeing that show up in other areas beyond race. Yeah, I'm hoping we'll unify, like like yeah. my pastor's saying. Hopefully, but maybe we'll find out who the who the real ones are. You know. Um, yeah, I, I think we'll have people that are. You know, I, I think I think there's going to be people that have really strong guardrails. They are committed to scripture and they're going to, they may follow the woke right up until it demands that they're also pro LGBT. And then yeah. that's when they'll break. Yeah. And there'll be others that 
you know, they don't have those, those strong guardrails in place and they're going to follow it right off the cliff. Mm -hmm. So those are the ones I'm concerned about. I want to help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, before we close out, um, any resources you want to recommend to our listeners that they could, they are, you know, interested in, in this conversation any further, what would you recommend to them? Sure. Uh, well, Neil Shinby is the best uh, guy from a Christian perspective. So any of his stuff um, is great. Uh, Carl Truman's latest book, uh, The Rise yes. and Triumph of the Modern Self, uh, is, yes. does a phenomenal job of just explaining how we got right. <laughs> to this point. Um, Dude, that's Live Not by book. Lies. Oh, oh it was so yeah. good. Yeah. You Live read Not it? by Lies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll talk about that later because, uh, dude, that, I'm still fired up about that book. I read it like two months ago. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. yeah, that was the best book yeah. I read last year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, Live Not by Lies by Rod Dreher, Um where yeah. it, Truman's book is kind of how we got to where we're at. And then Live Not by Lies is like, OK, what do we do about it? Yeah. And so they're really good companion reads. Um yeah, that, those are the ones I, I'm recommending a lot right now. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, selfish plug time. I, you know, I just started a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, called the Great, the Great Awakening Podcast, and I'm uh, attempting to deconstruct wokeness one concept at a time. So each episode just takes a single concept. I'm aiming for like ten to fifteen minutes. Yeah. And. Um, hopefully, you know, it'll be helpful and just kind of demystify a lot of the crazy concepts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I will say, I mean, um, and I'm kind of biased, but I, I thought it was really good. I uh, listened to the first episode. Um, I'll put it in the show notes there. Uh, so listeners can go check that out. Um, and we, we haven't talked about this, but um, if you're cool with this, I'm going to put the videos, your presentation that you gave at your church in the sure. show notes if that's cool okay just want to make sure uh i mean i figured it'd be cool with you it's on youtube um so yeah and then now we didn't you didn't say fault lines and i, I don't know if you because you never you haven't read it yet but would um what, what are your thoughts quick thoughts on fault lines yeah i thought it was uh i thought it's it's good it it wouldn't be the first book i'd recommend okay um and simply because I don't, I think he could be a bit more precise in some of his right ex- explanations. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I enjoyed the book. I think it, it's, it's definitely a helpful resource and, you know, I do give it my, uh, you know, endorsement. Um, I just don't know. That... Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes, I mean, cause I, I think you're right. I, I think it's more of a pastoral book too it's not meant to be an academic. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's going to lack some of the precision that I think you, you were wanting there. And I, I would agree with you. Um, and I think Neil does a great job on the academic side of things uh, of lining that out. And, and Owen's book, I think Owen's book, I've read su- some of it already I'm on the launch team. And I will say so far, it's been precise as far as I can tell. Um, Owen's book is, is very good, I think. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, I think that one's a more, kind of more what we would be looking for in terms of precision. Um, but it is, it's very pastoral too, so I think 
it's good. But um, yeah, man. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast uh, at um, <laughs> eleven o'clock at night. I know I'm sure you're probably tired and ready to go to bed. So we'll we'll shut the conversation down. But man, I, I appreciate you coming on and and engaging uh, with me on this on this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. Well, folks, uh, thank you guys for for listening to Causey's Conversations. Hope you have a great week. God bless.